Hey, this is Mike Bob, and I'm a guy who used to make things, and sometimes I still do. These days, I prefer making podcasts, and I have a new one called Soundtrack to My Life. On this podcast, I talk to different creative people about the music that shaped them. Sometimes the conversations are funny, and sometimes they're just kind of sweet. I love that Pina Colada song. Yeah, I do. Rihanna has had a huge impact on my songwriting. I'm diving into the ocean, finding that one fish that has the toxins, and I'm just drinking those toxins all day. Maybe they're saying, like, you should now go forth and rock. It's like a peace be with you situation. I also have a playlist called F Jams. One and two. <laughs> Just in case. We dance to a jazz version of my favorite things. Soundtrack to my life. It's available exclusive on Spotify. It's a I'm going to try to make that word take off. It's a music plus talk show, meaning I can play songs in their entirety. So think of this as an interactive playlist with some of the coolest creative people I know. And you should know too. Soundtrack to my life. A Spotify exclusive. Hi, I'm Mike Bobbitt. I am a lot of things. I'm a comedian, I'm a podcaster, I'm a writer, an actor, and a storyteller. But most of all, I'm a dad now. Movies were an important part of my childhood, and I'm hoping they'll be an important part of my kids' childhood, too. So through this podcast, I talk to my friends about movies that were important to them when they grew up, and I also talk to my friends who are parents about their experiences introducing their own kids to movies. This is Movies for Kids. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever grow up. Sometimes I wonder if I know it's me. I know it's me. This week we're talking to one of my oldest and dearest friends, Lauren Uhalik. And Lauren has a very interesting childhood that I'm wondering if that is going to play into how you were introduced to movies as a kid. Your dad is a bit of a local celebrity and a musician. Let's talk about what you watched growing up. What did your parents introduce you to that you remember loving? And uh... We were really into Pee-wee's Playhouse. Um, so I'm my parents' firstborn child, and my parents are both very culturally aware feels like it's giving them too much credit they were into really weird kitschy stuff right like my mom my mom loves john waters um my dad is into all kinds of weird cartoons and things so i when i was a kid um, i was born in the late 80s and my parents were already taping every episode of peewee's playhouse off of the tv as they were first run of course. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. So I, they were really showing me those movies. They were showing me... My dad really liked Ren and Stimpy and those weird, gross, um, original Nickelodeon cartoons. And uh, I remember we watched The Simpsons every Sunday when they were taping the first-run episodes off of TV until I was, like, seven or eight. I have this like weird image now because I only met your mom once. My memory is that she's kind of the straight laced one, where your dad is like the fun musician, rock star no, guy. It's it's a really it's a fascinating dynamic. But my I mom love gets the fact drunk that... and turns into this 
bizarre prop comic where like <laughs> suddenly everything is a toy. I've got to convince her to like put things down. It is incredible. I love the idea that I was introduced to Kathleen Turner through like romancing the stone when I was a kid. <laughs> and your introduction was your mom showing you cereal mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's my sister and I were talking about this the other day, actually, that like, she, my sister is a few years younger than me, and she was like, "What? What is the deal with?" And she she asked about the phrase "no wire hangers," and I was shocked she didn't know it because <laughs> my mom loved that movie, and I remember as a child her making jokes about it, my and like my parents too. used me. My parents used me as like a toy when I was little because they had friends that like owned bars. So they would teach me like movie quotes and then they'd pick me up and put me on the bar and I would, they'd be like, Lauren, do your James Cagney. And then like three-year-old Lauren would be like, you dirty rat, you killed my brother. And like they thought it was hilarious. Just a real knee slapper at Lily's in 1991. Well, I'm glad that you had a weird enough childhood that it propelled you to do stand-up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there's nothing else I could have done with this. Right. So you wanted to talk about a movie I've never seen, um, oh, but yes. you said it was part of your childhood, and it's All Dogs Go to Heaven? Yes. Okay. I. You started sending me the description of it, and I was like, oh, that's a heavy movie to grow up with. It was. And it's a Don Bluth movie. And I know now that I'm an adult, I know a little background that Don Bluth used to be with Disney, and then he left because he wanted his own animation studio. Um, so he had made the movie Land Before Time and then that was really successful and he made this movie All Dogs Go to Heaven. It is such a weird heavy movie but also important to note here I was raised Catholic so this movie checks a whole lot of boxes that are like weirdly catechismic for a child. It's one of the typical animated movies where there's an orphan child who's able to speak to animals oh, yeah. because all orphans can speak to dogs, which honestly, I really wanted a dog as a kid. I'm shocked I didn't kill my parents because of this film. <laughs> Step one, like, get dogs. Step two, become right. an orphan. Is that what's standing in my way? <laughs> but it's this weird movie where like Burt Reynolds is this like philanderer dog that's a con artist. It's with he's in jail with his partner who's this dachshund voiced by Dom DeLuise and they break out of dog prison and go back to the gambling I guess it's kind of like dog casino that he owns with his best friend Carface which not until I was an adult was I like oh like Scarface so they go and uh, they the Carface had sent him to jail because of this, wanting to own the thing, the whole casino. So then Carface has Charlie, Burt Reynolds' dog character, killed. And because all dogs go to heaven, Charlie goes to heaven. But he's like, I'm not ready to die. And it turns out you die when the minutes on a little watch run out. And every creature that lives has one of these little watches that are floating through heaven. And so Charlie sees his and he turns back the watch so there's still time left on it and he goes back to Earth. And this angel dog is like, no, now you can never come back. So he goes to Earth. He finds out Carface has abducted this little orphan girl who can talk to animals. So Charlie pretends that he's trying to save this little girl and then he uses her to win all of these races. So I learned a lot about dog racing and that <laughs> if I could talk to animals, I could be a millionaire. Right. Both my grandpas died before and that was my first introduction to death, really. 
Do you think seeing a movie that has a lot to do with death affected you as a child? I mean, maybe it softened it in some way. I mean, like I said, we were I was raised Catholic. Like I was going to like Sunday school while my parents were at church. And so like from a young age, I've been aware of like the spirituality surrounding religion and how it sort of goes into this stuff. So in this movie, there is a heaven and there is that this dog. So once Charlie goes back to Earth, he has these night terrors where there are like demon fire dog. It paints a real aggressive picture of hell. And even though it's hell for a dog, it wouldn't be great as a person. <laughs> Charlie is it he's it's, it's one of those like rapscallion with a heart of gold situation. And then in this movie, like he steals a wallet and the little girl returns it and these people decide to just adopt this child that shows up at their door with a wallet because I guess it's in like the 20s and you could just take children you found so then charlie wants to keep earning money but he like sees that she's in a good place and so he doesn't like abduct her back from this place but she chases him down and then carface steals her but in the end charlie saves the girl sacrifices his life and he gets to go to heaven and the devil is coming to take him and then heaven opens up and they're like you gave your life for her you were selfless and then they bring him up to heaven and there are like several sequels that i didn't see i consider you a very selfless person you do a lot for the people that are close to you and the comedy community (laughs) do you think it's movies like this that maybe put those values in you as a kid or i mean possibly i i think that this movie specifically i mean i wanted a dog so bad as a kid (laughs) and i didn't get a dog until i was whatever three years ago was when i was like 29 yeah now you have a pretty awesome dog he's so stupid it's incredible but yes i have a great dog but he's a moron (laughs) but i wanted a dog so bad because of this movie like i don't know if i just wanted like a dog to protect me or if i thought the dog would be able to talk to me i'm not really sure like as a child i we had like a kindergarten journal there were all of these pictures of this like made-up life where i had a dog (laughs) and (laughs) i I have bad news for you though if your dog in particular could talk i don't think it would have anything interesting to say it would just probably say like play play stick yeah or it would just sound like there are a few comedians that I feel like his voice would sound a lot like. <laughs> your dog would just sound a lot like your boyfriend, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not impossible. I feel like my dog would have some really strong opinions about plastic bags that are flying <laughs> through the air. So maybe he would sound a little bit more like the narrator of American Beauty. He reacts really strongly to a lot of real weird stuff that I feel like art students feel strongly about. Now, you and my wife, Allison, are super super close friends what movies do you think we should introduce benji to all of the peewee movies are just so full of absurdity it's it's such a funny complete opposite life between myself and my boyfriend's childhoods because like our family christmas movie to watch together it's not like we're going and we're like oh it's a wonderful life we're watching the Pee-wee's Playhouse Christmas special multiple times, and it's super important to us. And it's funny because that movie is such a huge part of, like, our Christmas traditions, holiday traditions, that, like, I thought Pee-wee was so much more popular than he actually was. <laughs> it is just so campy and perfect. Well, let me and recommend so- for a new Halloween tradition the Paul Lind Halloween special. 
Okay. I definitely want to introduce Benji to camp. I think there's something really fun and embracing your inner misfit about camp culture. So, yeah, I, I think oh, it's yeah. definitely something going to have to do. Lauren, yeah. thank you so much for doing this podcast, too. I love you so much, buddy. You were. Oh, I love you, too. Yeah. <laughs> And Allison just yelled from the other room that she loves you too. And tell Nick that we love him and I love his mustache. No, don't tell him that. (laughs)